Matthew chapter 6 this morning, verse 33. We're taking a little detour this morning from 1 Thessalonians. Um, mentioned the uh, revival this last uh, Saturday morning. We had the revival prayer meeting at Northside prior to the revival. And for some reason, this verse just kept running through my mind. And uh, as I was praying there, uh, just really prayed through this verse, uh, as we were partic- uh, expecting revival to come, and, and throughout the week I just couldn't shake it. And I said, "All right, Lord, I guess this is what I'm supposed to preach on this morning." So um, here we go, Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-three. He called this sermon the antidote to anxiety. With the weather change that we've had here in the last a few days, and with the kids going back to school and swapping germs, there's been a lot of sickness. Uh, a lot of sickness everywhere we go, a lot of sickness in our church, a lot of people needing prescriptions, uh, going to the doctor and getting antibiotics and uh, getting uh, steroids. I think Howard said this week he's not going to be allowed to play football for a while because he's, uh, he's on the steroids. Maybe that's why he was able to get so much work done this week. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, Ernest and Oscar are on steroids too, I don't know, but... Man, those guys have done a lot of work this week uh, trying to get uh, our, our furnaces back. Uh, um, unfortunately, the electric company wasn't able to get that squared away this week. But hopefully by next Sunday we'll have heating and air and everything will be squared away here. But nevertheless, uh, needing prescriptions uh, to fight the infections is kind of like an antidote uh, to, a, to a sickness. And The word antidote literally means remedy to counteract the effects of poison. You know, that's what anxiety is, isn't it? It's a poison to your mind as you worry. It's a poison to your body. You, you get sick. You worry yourself sick. It's a poison to your soul. And so we struggle with, we all do at times, with anxiety. And this morning I pray as we read the Scripture here, you're going to see the anxiety is, uh, or the, the antidote to anxiety is to take the focus off of yourself and put it on the Lord where it belongs. Take the focus off of yourself and your own problems and and put your focus on God and keep it there. As the kid's saying, fix my eyes on Jesus. As we do that, we see the things of this earth will, will, will begin to dim in the light of His glory and His grace. I want to invite you, if you're able this morning, to stand with me in reverence for the reading of the Word of God. I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start at verse 25 through verse 34 to set the context for our verse this morning. And These words written by Matthew under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for the body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? 
For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray together. Father, what a glorious day it has been in your house thus far. With the crowds in Sunday school and the excitement of the children being led in worship by our young people. Father, it has been good to be in your house. And Father, at this time we open up the scripture. Father, with the expectation, God, that you will speak to us. Father, as we, we think about this topic of anxiety and how it is a poison to all of us. And Lord, we see in here the remedy is to fix our eyes on Jesus, to focus on you. And Lord, that you will take care of us and you will provide for your children. Lord, we pray that if there is anyone here today that is not a child of yours by faith in Christ. We pray that that decision will be made today while the opportunity presents itself. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for the message you have for each of us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Our verse of Scripture today is found in the middle of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. As Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5-7, through is preaching and describing what life is to be like for a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And so these messages are for believers and what God expects from us as Christians. And in these verses that I just read, we are, we are seeing here the topic or the theme here is do not worry. Over and over again, we see the negative command about worry. Verse 25, Jesus says, do not be worried. Verse 27, who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? It's been proven that worry does just the opposite. Worry takes life from us. Verse 28, why are you worried? about clothing. Verse 31, do not worry then. And then we see in verse 34, so do not worry about tomorrow. The problem with worry is revealed to us in verse 30 where he says, you of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith, I believe the King James says. And so we've seen this negative command, do not worry, do not worry, do not. And then in verse 33, he flips it and says, but... So the adversative to this, do not worry, don't do this, but do this. And so we see the positive command of what we are to do instead of worrying, and that's what we want to look at together this morning. First thing we see in this verse is to focus on your pursuit. In other words, what are you chasing? After what are you pursuing? The word there is seek, but do what? Seek. It means to search or to look for. It's like being on a quest, like going to Kroger's now that they've moved everything around and you're looking for the toilet paper and you refuse to leave until you find that toilet paper. It's a quest. You are seeking after something. And Jesus says, seek first. The kingdom of God. The word seek also means to investigate 
or to consider, to think about what the kingdom was all about, seeking after the answers. It also means to try to obtain a desire to possess, to aim at, or to strive for, seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We have a little grammar lesson at this time. The word seek there in the Greek is a present, active, imperative, second person, plural verb. So what does all that mean? Well, let's unpack that. Second person, plural. He's saying, in other words, all of you. He didn't just say, okay, Peter, you're going to be the de facto leader of the apostles when I'm gone. Peter, seek the kingdom of God. He didn't just say, okay, the twelve, after I'm gone, the apostles. I want you guys, since you're more spiritual than everybody else, you all seek first the kingdom. No, Jesus is preaching in an authoritative way to all who would be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and he is saying, seek. It's a command, it's an imperative, seek. It's as if Jesus, when you read this, it's like Jesus is here this morning, and he's standing, and he's telling you, seek first my kingdom you seek first all of you seek first the kingdom of God in an authoritative way seek and it's also the word seek it's an active word it means it's what you are supposed to be doing it's not something that just happens to you a lot of people are just stumbling through life and, and we think that somehow we're going to be walking and going and doing things I'll say well what do you know look here's the kingdom of God what do you know? We're just stumbling and rumbling through life with no pursuit. He's active. You seek it. And it is a present tense verb. That means it's something that we are supposed to do more than just once. And say, well, I, I sought the kingdom one time and I found it. And now I'm good. Jesus says, seek and keep on seeking don't stop seeking even though you have found Jesus or Jesus has found you you continue the pursuit of Jesus because once you have been found by Jesus nothing else in this world should satisfy you but Jesus and so you keep on and you persevere and you continually seek the Lord Focus on your pursuit. After what are you chasing? Secondly, focus on your priorities. Where are your priorities? What is important to you? The word first. Seek first. It means foremost. Most prominent. Most important. What, is, what, what occupies first place in your life? What is most important to you what do you spend your money on what do you spend your time doing or your time thinking about because those things determine what your priorities are you can say well my priority is God but is that really reflected in your priorities in your actions and your thoughts do you think constantly upon God and the things of God? Or are other things occupying your time? Not necessarily bad things, but even good things can be out of line in our priorities if we're not putting God first. 
Your priorities ought to be Christ, number one. Second, if you're married, it's your spouse. Third, if you've got kids or your children, everything else falls under that. But first place ought to be occupied by the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You're spending your time on God, spending your time on yourself, or anything else other than that. You are disobeying the authoritative command of Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. Thirdly, focus on His purpose. What does God want from you? What does God want you to be doing? What is your purpose? What is the meaning? Why are you here? Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God. We think about a kingdom, a lot of times we'll think about a territory. You know, the, the kingdom, it's, it's, it's lined out. Here are the boundaries. And this geographic location is the kingdom. Well, kingdom can refer to that, but kingdom also refers to uh, a royal reign, authoritative power, uh, the, the, uh, the royal majesty and the authority that the king possesses. That's his kingdom. And Jesus is saying, seek first in your life the royal reign and the rightful authority of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's his priority for you. In other words, if, if, if God is the king, our call is to do what? Obey. To obey the king. If you seek first his kingdom and his reign, that means you subject yourself to his authority. That means you submit to his lordship. It means God is occupying his rightful place as ruler in your heart. Nothing else but submission to him, not just in your religious life, but in all aspects of life. If He is Lord, He is Lord of all. We talked about last week how that affects even the most intimate parts of our lives. Focus on His purpose. His purpose is to promote the gospel. If we are seeking first His kingdom, we want His rightful royal reign. We want His kingdom to grow. We want His kingdom to expand. How is His kingdom to expand? It expands through the preaching and the sharing of the gospel. It means lost people getting saved. That means people hearing the good news about Jesus. That means you and I opening up our mouths and saying, here, let me tell you about this Jesus. Let me tell you what He has done for me. Now that's your testimony. That's your story. We all got a story. And if nothing else, you ought to be able to, to tell somebody your story. This is what Jesus has done. This is what Jesus is doing. This is what Jesus is going to do for me. Focus on His purpose, promoting His gospel, promoting His glory. You are living for His glory. You are living to give Him the praise and the honor. The kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's not seek first my kingdom. That's the way a lot of us live. Because our priorities are so much so that, that, that I am the center of my universe. My comfort and my joy, my satisfaction, if it's all in place, I'm happy. And I'm going to do everything I can to work on my 
kingdom. I want to build my castle. Jesus says, mm-mm. No, you got to seek first the kingdom of God. That means you've got to make, not yourself, but make God the center of your universe. Seek first the kingdom of God. And not only that, verse 33 says, we need to focus on His perfection. His perfection. The pursuit of perfection. The question we might ask is, how high is the bar set? And as a kingdom citizen, what does God expect from me? To, to pursue His kingdom and to pursue His righteousness. To seek first His righteousness. The word righteousness means uprightness. A religious requirement. It means that, that Jesus is the standard. And we look to Him and we measure our life by Jesus. You know, it's not the first time in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus has talked about the word righteousness. Let's look at a couple of those together. Chapter 5, verse 20. Jesus says, I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And his audience would have been blown away by that because they saw the scribes and the Pharisees as the, the holy of the holiest. They thought, well, the, the Pharisees are the very religious folks, and that's the bar. And Jesus says, your righteousness needs to exceed that. And his folks would have heard that, and they would have, been, they would have said, you know, there is no way. There is no way. In fact, Jesus says in verse, 30, uh, verse 48 of that chapter, therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Like, wait a minute, that's the bar? The bar is perfection? Because Jesus says, your righteousness needs to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And then he says in chapter 6, verse 1, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is talking about self-righteousness here. Practicing your righteousness to be noticed by men. If you are doing that, if you are pursuing that, you're not pursuing His righteousness, you're pursuing your own righteousness. So Jesus is saying, is your righteousness perfect? I'm here to tell you it's not. None of ours. None of our righteousness. God says in the book of Isaiah, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags before Him. That's why we've got to pursue His righteousness. How do we do that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And then he goes on in verse 21 to say, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So Jesus has lined it out and says, our righteousness must be perfection. problem is it's not. What am I going to do about that? Am I going to keep trying to make myself more righteous? Am I going to pursue my righteousness? 
If you do, you're never going to find it. There's a lot of people in this world think, well, I've got to be good enough. I've got I to I gotta, I gotta do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do this. I've got to change this. I've just got to try harder. And God says, no. Seek first His righteousness. You need the righteousness of God to measure up. God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin on your behalf so that you might become the righteousness of Christ. It's all about surrendering your life to Christ. It's all about trusting that Jesus, His righteousness was good enough for me. And that when I subject myself to His Lordship and believe He took my sin on the cross, I can be completely forgiven and brand new, a new creation. And I might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's why you've got to seek His righteousness and not your own. So I ask you, is His righteousness your pursuit? Focus on His perfection. We need that. It's only attained by faith and not by works. Trusting that Jesus is enough. Finally, you've got to focus on His promise. The question we might ask is, well, what's in it for me? Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And you say, well, why do I want to do that? Well, besides being obedient to the Lord, that should be enough. But no, our God is so loving. Our God is so benevolent. He says this, if you will seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. The promise he lays out for us there, all these things will be added. Will be added. That's, that's a future passive tense. That means something is going to happen down the road, and that means it is something that will be enacted to you. Remember, seek is active. That means you do it will be added is passive. That means it will be done to you. That means God doing something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. It will be added to you. Will be added, why? Because verse 32 says, your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. So when you seek His kingdom, when you don't pursue these things, but you pursue His kingdom... He's going to give you these things. And we need not worry about what we eat, what we drink, the clothes that we wear. Are we going to have enough? The question sometimes is, okay, we'll be added to you. Does that mean when I get to heaven? Well, yeah, definitely. Definitely we're not going to have to worry about those things in heaven. But does that, does that apply to me now? Because sometimes we look around the world and we see some Christians being starved to death. We see some Christians going destitute and going without. But they continue to hold to the faith. So it's not like, well, if they had enough faith, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't suffer, they wouldn't struggle. Nowhere does the Bible say that. But it does say this. When you are a part of a covenant community of believers... We are to take care of one another's needs. It means if you are seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then you're going to be part of a local church. If you're part of a local church, you ought to be taking care of one another. That's why we have the benevolence offering that we're going to take 
up here after the Lord's Supper. Because the Scripture says to do good, especially those of the household of faith. So that means pursuing God's kingdom, God will make a way to take care of your needs even now. Not just when you go to heaven, but even now. The promise is realized in Christ, specifically through the ministry of the body of Christ, which is the local church. All these things will be added to you. All these things. What is all these things? Well, the immediate context, he's talking about the food and the water and the clothing. You know, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. You don't have to worry about the physical realm. But you know what else is true? There is a spiritual component to that. Because if you are seeking what? His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things are added to you, not just the food and the clothing and the water, but if you are seeking His kingdom, it will be added to you. If you are seeking His righteousness, it will be added to you. The, all these things is not just in the immediate context of the physical needs, but if you are pursuing His kingdom, God says, I will give you my kingdom. If you are pursuing His righteousness, He says, I will give you my righteousness. Isn't that our greatest need anyway? What good does it do to go to hell with a full belly and clothes on your back? Our greatest need is, is to be redeemed. Our greatest need is to be forgiven. Our greatest need is spiritual. And Jesus says, seek first His righteousness and all these things will be given. Passive tense will be given to you. You'll be supplied not only physically, more important spiritually. You're seeking first His kingdom and righteousness you will receive from the hand of God His kingdom and His righteousness. So we think about the antidote to anxiety and we all battle anxiety but what we need is a conditioned reflex. When anxiety, when anxiety rears its ugly head we need a conditioned reflex. What is a conditioned reflex? Well it's kind of like when you hear the national anthem being played at a ball game or in a setting, what, what do you do? You, you stand. If you've got a hat on, you take your hat off. You, you, you cover your heart, whatever. It's a conditioned reflex. It's just what you, you think. You, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. National anthem's being played. I need to honor it. Or it's like when you're driving down the road and you, you hear a siren or you see some blue lights or you see a cop car. What's the first thing you do? Touch the brake. It's a conditioned reflex. You just touch the brake. Oh, the, you, know, you don't even have to think about, well, there's a police car, or I see lights, or a siren. You know what? Maybe I need, you know, it's instant. It's what you do. It's a conditioned reflex. And conditioned means it's not something you're born with. You don't come out of the womb and you hear the national anthem and say, well, I need to stand to my, my feet and stand to attention. You're not born thinking, well, I, you know, I hear a police siren or I see a car. I need to touch the brake. It's something that you learn through what? Experience. It's, it's a knowledge that comes to you to the point where it's so ingrained inside you, it's what you automatically do in that situation. So when anxiety comes, you need to develop a, a, a conditioned reflex. There's anxiety 
I'm going to seek His kingdom. I'm going to seek it first. I'm not going to worry about all these things. Jesus said, don't worry about it. Seek His kingdom by faith. Believing in the promise. It will be added. I'm going to seek His kingdom. I'm going to be aggressive and I'm going to pursue the righteousness of God. Even in this situation, even, even as, as painful or as intolerable as this might be, I'm going to pursue His kingdom. I'm going to press through. I'm going to break through. I'm going to trust in Him. I'm not going to worry about the situation or the circumstance. I'm going to focus on the Savior. If you and I can condition ourselves to do that, all these things will be added to us. To learn behavior, it's not natural. It's supernatural. So we need the Holy Spirit inside of us. How do I get the Holy Spirit inside of me? By being born again. How do I, how do I be born again? By trusting in the good news. What is the good news? Jesus died my soul to save. Jesus rose again. And because of His work, I can be saved. I can be made anew. I can have the righteousness of God in me. It's a trust in Jesus. Isaiah 55 verse 6 says this, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord is near today. God is here. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. The flip side of that is if you don't do it now, when will you do it? You're never going to be more near to God than I believe you are this morning in this situation. Surrounded by the saints of God full of the Holy Spirit, praising and worshiping Him, His Holy Word being proclaimed. How much nearer to God can you get this side of glory? Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Well, how do I know? If I seek Him, I'm going to find Him. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me if you search with all your heart. This morning he is near. Seek him. You will find him if you do in the condition you're seeking with all your heart. It's all abandoned. Just throw it all out the window. I don't care. Nothing matters more to me now than just being near Jesus. Nothing matters and anything going on right now around me other than just me being with Jesus. Just get me to Jesus. Is that your pursuit this morning? Is that your heart's desire this morning? Because if it is, you will find because it will be given to you. Seek the Lord. Take the focus off yourself. Put it on God where it belongs. Keep it there. The antidote to anxiety, I believe, is this. A daily dose of concentrated consecration. What is that? Concentrated. That means you, 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 you consider it. That means you meditate on it. You dwell. You think upon it. And that's your focus. You concentrate. Consecration. What is that? Set apart by God. You let the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ 
Be what you meditate and think upon. Let the truth and the righteousness of Jesus be that which you condition yourself when anxiety comes, pursue that. You take that daily dose of concentrated consecration. That's the antidote to the poison of anxiety. Take the focus off yourself. Take the focus off your problems. Put it on the Lord. Keep it there. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Let's pray.